welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Well, it was one of those rare moments in the life of a preacher. It was late at night. I was just sitting, sort of relaxing on the couch in the front room of our house. And my son Joshua, he was three or maybe four at the time, and he's there. he was just sitting on my lap. And I was reading Bible stories to him. Almost every sentence was interrupted by his childish questions. Uh, those of you who have four-year-olds, well, they know what I'm talking about. But in the midst of all of his questions, there was one that startled me. There was one question that was profound. You see, he looked up at me with his big brown eyes and asked, Daddy, what is God like? What's he like? Well, have you ever tried to explain to a four-year-old what God is like? There are all kinds of questions asked of me. You know, questions of theology, questions on some puzzling texts of Scripture, questions on the prophecies of Revelation. But my son, well, he asked me the only real important question that anyone has ever asked me. Well, Daddy, what is God like? You see, because until this question is answered in our heart, we can never know anything about God, anything about His love and anything about His promises. You can't go too far in this life into this tangled thing we call life without asking questions about God. What is God like? and How does God feel? How does it make God feel when He hears the thunder of guns as Men hunt each other down. And how does God feel when he hears the wails of a mother and a father grieving over the murder of their five-year-old daughter? What's God like? How does he feel? What is God like when he, when he sees this, this lovely world that, that he created being defaced by man's lust, filled with strife and woe? What is God like? What does God feel? This is a very big question. In fact, it's the question behind every question. And sometimes this question is asked by, by men and by women anxiously. God, what are you like? How do you feel? Where are you, God? And sometimes it is asked in bitterness. Sometimes it's asked in disdain. What is the nature and the character of God? Now, the great word on the lips of Jesus was the word Father. And it is in the context of that word and what it means that we can find the answer to the question, what is God like? Now, in the Old Testament, there were other words, theological words, philosophical words, if you would, for God, a judge, king, almighty, creator. In fact... The name God, well, that was feared to be mumbled from the lips of an Israelite. Yet even in that day, even then, men dared to think of God in the terms of a father. David the psalmist, writing in the 103rd Psalm, verse 13, wrote, Like as a father pitieth, his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. You know, some six times in the Old Testament, there are expressions like that, that, that God is like a father. 
but it's humanity's everlasting debt to Jesus Christ that, that Jesus would take this word, Father, this word that is so meaningful, this word that is so rich in tenderness, this word that is so familiar to all of us, and he used that word, and within that word, he framed his thoughts about God. And he tries to reveal to humanity that God, well, he's like a father. Well, that was the rallying watchword of the apostles when they went from the four corners of the globe to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is like a father. God is filled with love. God is a father. And this concept is how we frame our thoughts. Jesus wrote, Our Father which art in heaven. The first record of his speaking is this, Know ye not that I must be about my Father's business. And his very last words recorded, Father, into thy hands I command my spirit. Right there on the cross. When Jesus wanted to tell us what God is like in this tangled world, in a world filled with sorrow and pain and woe and human tragedy, he said, God is like a father. When Jesus tried to paint the picture on the minds of human men and women as to what God is like, he said, God is like a father. And he weaved that word into an unforgettable story. The story of the prodigal son. Let's read it together. It's found in Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. He said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them, and not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. 
For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. You see, this is the gem of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And if you don't know anything else, but know the love of a father who comes and brings the prodigal son back into the family of love, then if you know that, you know it all. This is the story of the pearl with a great price. This is a story that every man, every woman, every child needs to grasp if they are to know anything. The story, we call it the story of the prodigal son, but, but I like to think of it in terms of the waiting father. Because to me, what makes this story so real, what makes this story so dynamic, what makes this story so unforgettable is not a boy who goes away from his father's house and squanders his inheritance. It's not a boy who winds up in a pig pen. That's not the story at all. The story, for me, is the story of a father who waits patiently, lovingly, for the moment that son comes home. It's the story of the father behind the story of the prodigal son. This is the story. This is what it is to understand what God is like. Now, in my study of this great parable, I see three feelings in the heart of the Father that reveal what God is like. Now, the Old Testament, some suggest, describes God many times as this unmerciful judge. And the children of Israel had this wrong concept of God. They thought that God sat there up on his throne watching men, you know, committing all this evil that he just might zap them one day. And, and, and many people, many people, maybe some of you watching me right now, think the same thing about God, that God is this unmerciful judge and God is just watching and measuring, you know, seeing that we measure up everything, hoping that we get good enough, pure enough, perfect enough, that he will finally accept us. But in the New Testament, this idea of God has changed. You see, Jesus Christ in his life and Jesus Christ, in this simple story, he reveals what the true character and what the true nature of God is. And, and in my study of this parable, I came to the conclusion 
that there was sorrow in the heart of the father. And that sorrow is because of three reasons. First of all, because of our estrangement. You see, God the Father sorrows over our estrangement, over our separation. You don't have to get very far into the Bible before you run into this, this, this loneliness of God, this sorrow of God. And that loneliness and that sorrow is because of a child's estrangement. It, it, it's similar, I guess, in a way to the sadness that, 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 that parents feel as their, as their children grow up and they leave the nest and they begin to turn their attention and their affection to things outside the home. Now, some of you know what that's like. But, but, but when you add to that willful estrangement, that is, this willfully doing that, well, there's no sorrow like that in the heart of a father. I mean, to bring a child into the world and to watch that child grow coarse, to see that child grow cheap, and see that child throw away their birthright, to dream the best for a child, and to see that child choose the worst, well, there's no sorrow like that sorrow. You know, living under the same roof, yet living in two different worlds, that's the story of the prodigal son. That's the story of the father, the father in that home, a waiting father. That's the story of sorrow in the heart of God, the sorrow because of willful estrangement. You see, God creates us in His image. God creates us in His love. God creates us in His beauty. And then we turn our backs upon that love and upon that plan, upon the plan He has for us. And we, and, and, and we walk out on Him. That's the story of God working with man and the story of man in rebellion with God. You see, this is one of the dominant themes of Scripture from the very first Book there in Genesis, we heard God say, Adam, where are you? Right through the very last book when he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You see, there is this, there is this loving God. There is this loving Father. But there is sorrow in his heart. Why? Because of our estrangement. So what is God like? He's like a father with deep sorrow. He's a God who sorrows over a world in rebellion. A God who sorrows over a home in rebellion. A God who sorrows over broken hearts and broken homes and broken lives. He is a God that sorrows. But secondly, not only is he a father that sorrows over our willful estrangement, the second sorrow in God's heart goes even deeper. It's the sorrow because of our impoverishment, because of our poverty, and because of our willful estrangement. You see, in the story of the prodigal son, he leaves with an inheritance, but he comes back home broke. In the story of the prodigal son, he leaves with an inheritance. He comes back shabby, disillusioned, broke, and beaten. This is the real story of a real life without God. A life outside the Father's love. A life outside the Father's home. You see, he leaves with a dream and he comes home with a nightmare. He goes away young, strong, vibrant. He comes home shabby, 
broken and old all before his time. The Bible points out the sorrow in God's heart that so little should come out of such great expectations and so great an investment. That is part of the pain that made the cross. That's part of the sorrow when he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's part of the sorrow that came upon him in Gethsemane when he prayed, let this cup pass from me. That was the sorrow in the heart of God when he looked down on Golgotha's hill and he saw the multitudes laughing and degrading him and turning their back upon him. That was the sorrow. It was because of their poverty without God. There is impoverishment outside the Father's love. We see it on the faces of the multitudes today in the tired, worn-out faces of this world. You see, that's what God is like. He's like a father that sorrows. But the deepest lesson in the story is that the Almighty God, the Father, sorrows in our depravity. The Bible says when he was a great ways off, when he was a great ways off, he did what? He ran. He ran, the Bible says. Doesn't that say something to you about God? While we are a great ways off, he runs. Have you ever thought about it? Was it an accident that the father was out on the roof looking down the road that day? Was it an accident that he was looking over the fence that day? Was it an accident that he happened to be looking in that direction that day? It was no accident. Looking down the road, when he saw it, It wasn't an accident. When when he saw him, he ran. Because, you see, God seeks us. He pursues us. He follows after us. He suffers with us. Living in our living. Loving in our desperation. He has identified with us in our sin, in our our defilement. And he he puts his arms around us And he loves us, even though we are all polluted by sin. Now, here's the truth. If you seek life outside of his life, if you seek love outside of his love, if you seek power outside of his power, while he was a long ways off, he ran. You know, call it, sentimentalism, call it emotionalism, call it whatever you want to call it because I just call it love. You see, here is the great heart of the whole matter. Here is the message of the gospel and the Bible wrapped up in one word, love. He who could crush us stoops down to redeem us. He puts his arms around us and restores us. And he says, bring a cloak for him and put a ring on his finger and put shoes on his feet because this son of mine was lost, but he is found. He was dead, but now is alive. And that's the message to the whole world. 
the whole world dead in sin and trespasses, we can live again. You can walk in the presence of God again. You can be saved and restored again. That's the message of God for you today. What is God like, son? He's like a father. A father who runs. He ran, the Bible says. Maybe you can hear the footsteps of God right now. Maybe you can feel the footsteps of God in your heart right now. You see, the story of the prodigal son is the story of the clean arms of the father around the body of a defiled son. What is God like? You can't run away from it. The father ran, it says. He recognized his boy in defilement. He looks and he sees not some nameless street kid, someone that we see and try to avoid. The father doesn't try to avoid him. He sees him and he recognizes him. This is my son. It doesn't matter that he's broken. It doesn't matter that he's shabby. It doesn't matter that he's smelling of alcohol or whatever. It doesn't matter. He sees through all of the grime and all of the dirt and behind it all he sees a beautiful son. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, God died for us. You see, God's love overcomes our lust. God's love overcomes our failures. God's love overcomes our shortcomings. God's love overcomes our loneliness. God's love overcomes our sin. That is what God is like. If you make your bed in hell, he will be there. And when you turn around, He's going to be there to take you, to accept you, to love you. What is God like, son? He's like a father that sorrows. You know, I believe God has been waiting a long time for some of you to come home. Don't you think you should come home now? Daddy, what is God like? Well, Joshua, God is like a father that waits. God is like a father that loves. God is like a father that forgives. That's what God is like. Let us pray. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, Thank you for the picture of you as our Father portrayed in this beautiful, simple story of the prodigal son. Father, I know that many right now can hear the footsteps of God. I pray that those that have wandered from their home may come and receive the loving embrace of a forgiving, loving Father. Bless each and every viewer, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've come to the time in our program where we have our special offer for our viewers. And uh, today's uh, special offer is just is, is, is one of my favorites. This is a, I have a little book here for you. Um, like so many of the books, it's, it's a small book. And many of you tell me you just, 
You sit down once and you read it completely at one seating. It's a book called Outrageous Grace. It's written by Dr. Dwight K. Nelson. And I don't know how many of you have ever seen his books. We've offered them here before. They're wonderful. Uh, in this book, Outrageous Grace, he says here on the back, angry, gentle, cruel, kind. What is God really like? We'd love to send you this resource to help you better understand what God is really like. If you'd like to receive this free of charge, it's a gift. It'll come in the mail to you, postage paid. If you like this book and you want it, here's the information you need to request your copy. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've uh, come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me thank you again for for joining us and for, for faithfully tuning in every week and letting your friends know about the television program. A couple of things I want to let you know before we leave is that, um, listen, uh, sometimes we get inundated with requests for their different books and stuff, and so it can take a little bit of time to get that to you. I apologize, but it probably just means that we've had to go back and then get more copies on, so it takes a little bit longer. Also, our, our phones are answered by volunteers, and. Sometimes if you're calling in, you'll notice you go into voicemail and it gets backed up. And if you've left a voicemail and we haven't gotten back to you, just don't hesitate to call again. I mean, call throughout the week. We'll do our best to, to get to you and to speak to you and to, to answer your questions and to get you the resources that, that, that you need uh, to better understand what God is like. Uh, remember our um, YouTube channel, our Facebook page. Like us on Facebook subscribe to our YouTube channel. This way, every time a new program is added, you'll be notified of that. Remember our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, we have, uh, if you're looking for a Bible study group, and you can contact us and find one close to your home. You can find out where I'll be appearing live. Uh, most Saturdays, I'm at my church, the Harmony Adventist Church in Toronto, 89 Center Avenue. We worship in the Wellspring Worship Center. That's in the Bayview and Steeles area, roughly. So if you're in Toronto and you want to come out, come out and see us. I'd love to, I'd love to get a chance to meet you. And some of you have, and I appreciate that. And the website will tell you where the live appearances are. We also have all of the previous programs on the website. You can check those out. And there's also a tab there, which is a donate tab. And you can make a donation online to this ministry. We'll give you a tax-deductible receipt. And all of the money committed and invested goes directly to this ministry, paying for airtime, studio time, the gifts. Not a penny comes to me. 
they are saying to me, I've got to end because we're out of time. So, thanks again for being with us. Let's do this again next time. God bless you. We'll see you then.